Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 27, coming at you on September 23rd. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by my fellow scout, Matt Nine, and we got a very special guest with us today. We've got none other than Rich Dotson from Dynasty Nerds. Uh, Rich, thanks for taking the time to to be on with us. Uh, We're excited to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be back talking dynasty with you guys. We did it a couple months ago for the expo when I had you guys in studio. So it's great to uh, be back with you guys talking some dynasty fantasy football actually in season now, which is the greatest time to play dynasty fantasy football. That's for yeah, real. and that's, you know, if you missed, uh, if you missed that, we were, Matt and I were on the Dynasty Nerds YouTube channel. So go check that out. And I actually talked about J.K. Dobbins a lot. And obviously that take, uh, just died off shortly thereafter. So I'm excited to talk to you again, Rich, uh, post JK Dobbins injury. But um, with that today, we're going to, we're going to talk some rookies, rookie running backs, rookie wide receivers thoughts so far on them. We're going to talk some key storylines. There's a few offenses that are really interesting right now that we're going to get into in the Jags Niners. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit, Rich, about CEH, because I know you've been high on him. So I want to talk about him and then of course, we'll just talk some risers, fallers who are buying and selling and some key takeaways from the first two weeks. Yeah, so man, all that, sounds good to me. Let's get into it. Welcome in, everybody. Um, again, we got the the Rich Dotson, the the CEO, founder, godfather of Dynasty Nerds, with us. Uh, you're with Matt and myself tonight as well. Let's start with rookie wide receivers. We're two weeks in now, and obviously, Rich, same as same as Matt and I, we've been talking about these rookies for so long that it's just it's so good to see them out on the field. So, what are kind of your first impressions? Your first thoughts? What do you like dislike about uh, this rookie wide receiver class so far? Yeah, I, I'm really going to stick away from dislike just because it's it's week we're going into week three, right? Like it's it's, sure. it's not fair. Um, I feel like I'd be saying something just to say it to be like a hot take here. Be like, oh, look at this guy. Look at this pompous ass over here talking some stuff. It's it's week three. You know what I mean? Like these these guys are rookies. Uh, they're not running backs. The rookie, you know, the receiver room is a little bit harder to get into. We got to remember this time last year, Justin Jefferson was behind uh, Ola BC Johnson in Minnesota when it came to fantasy football production. And then from this week going forward, from week three on, Justin Jefferson was wide receiver four overall. So a lot can change. Um, that being said, it, it's good. I think I think we all have to agree right now, the greatest, um, if we were just looking at it from a redraft perspective, hey, look at these rookies kicking ass, it's Rondale Moore. It's, it's his usage, you know? Um, a smaller wide receiver who, who, who plays tough. And the, the thing you want to be optimistic about is for dynasty purposes and including redraft as a wide receiver three, but currently is his usage and his target volume. I mean, he is being targeted by Kyler Murray. He's the number two receiver on that team. Uh, he's being used a ton. And I know that 77 yard touchdown had a big, reason of why he is where he is right now in the fancy football, I guess, stat line of, you know, wide receiver two, but I mean, everybody has big plays. I mean, you, you can't take away big plays from big players. That's what you expect them to make. Even if it's broken coverage, I don't care. So 
the, the deal with Rondé Moore, you got to be excited about is Kyler Murray's there long-term. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins just signed a long-term deal. So that it's, if you're a Rondale Moore owner, you got him most likely in the second round. If you're, unless you're a Rondale Moore truther and you, you, you overreached for him and that's fine. You know, I always preach, get your guys, but I think of all the rookie wide receivers right now, he's the guy that shot his, his star is shining brightest. Uh, Jamar chase, obviously he he's doing pretty well after a terrible preseason. We only had one catch and a ton of drops. He's doing really well with Joe Burrow, but when you're a top five pick, that's expected. Uh, Jalen Waddle looks good so far. We'll see what happens with the loss of two of him. Keep that up and be the safety net for Jacoby Brissett and Devonte Smith looks really good. So it, it looks, what's really nice is the, the hard three, right? The first three rookie wide receivers drafted Smith Waddle and chase all look to be hits, right? And anytime you, and, and let's face it, when you're in a rookie draft, Definitely, if you had Chase early in this preseason, anytime you see good production out of your rookie early, that looks like then you're now set up for long-term success. It's a it's a sigh of relief, right? You took these guys really high because your team's pretty bad. You have a dry, high unless you trade for that pick, you you have the high draft pick because your team was not a good dynasty fantasy football team. So the only way to get out of that hole is to start hitting on these draft picks. It's literally the only way to get out of the hole. So if you're a Waddle owner, a Smith owner, a Chase owner, you have to be sighing or a, a giant sigh of relief compared to if you're a Travis Etienne owner. You know what I mean? Or even even if you had to one one, you're a Najee Harris owner. Like I still like Najee Harris a ton, but all those worries about that Pittsburgh offensive line and the way they're going to move the ball, it's it's all come to fruition. You know, like all those negative naysayers, they're right, and everybody that's talking crap about Jamar Chase have been wrong. So. Right now, it looks like it looks like this wide receiver class has a chance to be special because Elijah Moore hasn't done anything yet because he was out for a while. Rashad Bateman's hurt. Um, Terrace Marshall has even shown shines of, you know, he could be a wide receiver too. Where they just signed Robbie uh, Robbie Anderson to this extension, but Terrace Marshall has out targeted him already here. Seems like early in the season, so there's a lot to look up to with this wide receiver class going into week three already, which is always a good sign when you own those prospects. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good point. Just how complete this class is top to bottom and the impact they've already made. Also a good point. So many overreactions and hot takes already when uh, these guys are so young and so early on in their career. Um, so with that, Matt, what's, what's your hot take for us? <laughs> Well, I, I think for me, he elaborated on Rondell Moore perfectly. I think that's the biggest surprise for me personally, because coming into the season, there was all this talk how nobody ever uh, in the NFL had ever had success at someone of his size, his weight, and so on and so forth. And, and a lot of the talk surrounding him going into the season was they're just going to manufacture touches for him out of the backfield to get four or five touches. Well, through two weeks, I mean, he's shown that he's he can play receiver. Like, he's a legit football player. They're going out of their way to get the ball in their hands. Like like Rich said, he's being targeted. So, at some point down the road, Kirk is going to move on, and, and he's going to be, if not already, a major part of one of the highest functioning, you know, elite passing offenses that the league has to offer. Uh, one of my guys coming into this year was Nico Collins. Uh, I am a little bummed that he's going to be out for a few weeks with – with the shoulder issue, but through two games, uh, he didn't run a whole lot of routes, but he did have some really impressive catches in the preseason. He did have that one uh, fade touchdown catch that was called back due to OPI on him uh, that looked really good. So I think he's someone, especially in dynasty that if somebody drafted him high, is like thinking he can come in and maybe take over cooks as the one, I think he's a great chart uh, trade target right now. 
And then as far as the running backs go, I am pleasantly surprised by Kenny Gainwell, not only by how well he looks after sitting out last year at Memphis, but how involved he is right away. Because I followed the Eagles closely because I'm a big Jalen Hurts guy, but all throughout camp, it was Sanders and Boston Scott. Like Kenny Gainwell was here. He was there. He really wasn't anything consistent. And then week one, it just feels like they were like, we're just going to play you and see what happens. And he, I think he had like nine carries, you know, he had two touchdowns. One of them was called back last week. He was involved again. Uh, I think he's only seen roughly a 35 ish percent snap share, but his role is solidified. He's around that 10 yard, uh, 10 carry mark game and the four to five uh, targets a game. So if Miles Sanders were to go down, he can absolutely be a three down back because his pass blocking has been out of this world through the first two weeks. Yeah, you're getting ahead a little bit because I do want to jump to running backs in a minute, but I think um, just one receiver that you guys didn't mention that I want to touch on is Diami Brown because even with Curtis Samuel being out, that dude has been on the field a lot this year, and I think that's been a huge surprise to me seeing a rookie whose snap share is – I don't think this is accurate, but player profile has his snap share at – over 100%. So I can't imagine that's correct, but he's been on the field. uh, I think like 80% of their snaps or something somewhere around there, but that's really been surprising to me because he's not a guy that I really expected to be. I mean, he's got 10 targets through two games um, and really just being a, a near every down player for any team as a rookie is, is big unless you're, you know, we expect it from Jamar chase and, and some of these guys, but um, not necessarily Diami Brown. And then like you guys said, obviously Rondell Moore is the big, the big surprise. And really for me, 13 targets through two great two games is what's really impressive in an offense that has a target monster already. They went out and signed AJ green, who, uh, you know, definitely is, is looking, is looking old out there, but regardless, they have, they have some mouths to feed in that offense. And this guy is still found a way to get 13 targets. So, that's what's really um, kind of stood out to me so far. I'm a little bummed about Elijah Moore's slow start, but I do think uh, we need to be patient with him because I do think he's a special player that once this offense gets going can really, really take off in a hurry. And you can definitely see his value go screaming high um, in a short span once this offense kind of kicks it into gear. But um in terms of the running backs, Matt, you, you touched on Kenneth Gainwell a little bit. I, Rich, you had mentioned, um, you know, the Najee Harris concerns um, and how people have kind of been proven right with him. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a little surprised more people haven't been, I guess, excited about what Javante Williams is doing. So just for context, Rich, Matt, and I both had Javante Williams as our RB1s in this class. We were both concerned about the offense in Pittsburgh. Um, we loved Javante Williams, uh, his contact balance. And already I think he's fifth in the league in uh, miss tackle, miss tackles forced per carry. Um, yes. So he's, I mean, I think Javante has been very good and we've seen Melvin Gordon. They're obviously splitting the work 50, 50, which is really a win for Javante coming in and getting that much work. And then you see how inefficient Melvin Gordon is beyond, you know, that 70 yard run he had. I think it's, it's coming sooner than people think that Javante Williams breakout. I think he's going to take this backfield over. And I know Matt and I still have him, you know, 
we would prefer him over Najee Harris. So where do you stand on that? And, and just kind of the rookie running backs, I guess. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's, I have no argument with that whatsoever because, you know, both my podcasts, uh, co-host and Dice Center podcast both had Javante Williams as their number one overall running back as well. So to me, that's not a shock. And yeah, he's a really good running back. And sometimes, you know, it, sometimes just because I didn't have Javante Williams as my running back one, you know, I had Najee Harris as my running back one, doesn't mean I don't like Javante Williams, you know, just because I had Devonte Smith above Jamar Chase doesn't mean I like Jamar, don't like Jamar Chase. You know, it's when you do it, when you, when you're an analyst and when you, you know, do a podcast or you do rankings for something like you have to put guys in order, you know, like I'm not gonna, you, you could do tiers if you want to, but like, that, that's fine that you have a tier, but when you're on the clock, you got to make a choice. So you got to rank these guys and Javante Williams looks great. And you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, his usage already, you know, coming in out of Denver, they were saying this is probably going to be a 60, 40 timeshare is where they saw it. And right now it's 50, 50 and some, you know, Javante Williams get a little bit more and he looks better than Melvin Gordon. So you're right. It's around the corner where he's going to be the guy in a high, which should be a high proficient offense with, all the caliber of weapons they have there with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fan. So signs are point, pointing really sky high for Javante Williams to be one of those solid, you know, mid-range running back ones, the high-end running back twos. Um, I think some of the biggest shocks, so, would be the San Francisco running back situation with Elijah Mitchell being the guy there in San Francisco right now. Week one, Trey Sermon was inactive. Uh Coming into week two, he gets one carry, gets a concussion. He had a lot of injury histories before coming up Ohio State, even going back to going back to Oklahoma. So Elijah Mitchell coming up Louisiana Lafayette on on my podcast, I said I was like, for how high that Trey Sermon was going up the charts once San Francisco traded for him, I I made a comment. I was like, you know, I don't mind Trey Sermon in San Francisco, but why pay that price? Like now all of a sudden he goes from a player that's going late second to late first round pick. Uh, I didn't like that. I was like, why don't you just be better off just taking Elijah Mitchell in the third or fourth round on Louisiana Lafayette? He's got the speed that Kyle Shanahan likes to run on the outside zone run scheme. So, it, it, I mean, it literally mirrored exactly what I said about Aaron Jones when Aaron Jones was coming out of UTEP. I was like, at the time, well, who was the running back? Who was, was it Jamal Williams? No, it wasn't Jamal Williams, was it? Well, oh God, are you talking about the Packers? There was another running back, you know, whoever it was. This is how many rookies I said. I can't remember who it was. He was he got skyrocketed because oh, about the Packers. Yeah, in the time he got skyrocketed to a first round pick, and I was like, "Why take him in the first round here when he's not he, he's not even that great of a running back? When you get Aaron Jones out of UTEP, who is way more explosive and has a much more higher upside when it comes to fancy football production." So Elijah Mitchell to me is definitely the most pleasant surprise because you got him latest. You got him the third. You got him the fourth round, so fifth round of your rookie draft. Now he's a starter in San Francisco. We all know how Kyle Shanahan is. He's a favorite. He's a favorites kind of guy. Like he's going to isolate his guys and get him what he needs until they, while they stay healthy. It's why Brandon Ayuk's not doing anything. And so it puts Elijah Mitchell in a really good, really good spot for a class that wasn't very strong at running back for a class that we had the top three and then it got real murky. Cause it was Trey Sermon. It was Michael Carter. And I didn't really love Trey Sermon out of that group a ton. Like I like this spot. Elijah Mitchell has definitely been the most pleasant surprise of this 2021 rookie running back class. 
So I already talked about Kenneth Gainwell earlier, but I do just want to highlight what Chad had brought up earlier. I really don't have much to add on Javante. I've always said this, and it's especially true when it comes to rookie running backs. The key to being a three-down back in the NFL is pass pro, and that is Javante's bread and butter, and Melvin Gordon is not good at it at all, and Rich alluded to this too. It's not a matter of if Javante overtakes Melvin Gordon. It's a matter of when. And based on the first two weeks at their 50-50 carries and snap share, it's coming much sooner than later. Yeah, and just one last name I want to throw in the mix before we we move on from these rookies here is Michael Carter. Um, He's got a tough matchup with Denver this week, but we saw him kind of break loose last week against the Patriots, 11 for 59 and two receptions for 29. And, I mean – Tevin Coleman is uh, he he hasn't been effective or efficient uh, for a few years now. Ty Johnson is is interesting, but Michael Carter is clearly the most talented guy there, and I think we're going to see him uh, take off here in the next few weeks and and start putting up some bigger numbers as well and and getting more work. So um, expect a jump from him. But um, let's move on to some veteran players. Rich, I I just want to ask you about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Cause I know he's a guy you really like. And we talked about like not panicking, um, but CEH has really struggled in that offense. And he's just, he's looked a little slow. He, it, I think a lot of people were ready for a breakout from him in this offense. And he's been, I, I saw a tweet yesterday from Jared Smola says 51 running backs have 10 plus carries through two weeks among them. CEH ranks, Dead last, 51st in PFF rushing grade, 49th in elusive rating, 50th in yards after contact per attempt. Like I said, he just looks a little slow-footed. What are you What are you seeing, Rich, and, and are you worried about him? Yeah, I'm a little worried about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but, I mean, he did have the ankle injury in the preseason, uh, so we don't know if that has anything to do with it. Uh, he's looked good in short spaces, which is kind of nice to see as well. Again, it's week two, and it's a hard, it's a hard offense to look at because they don't get a lot of like red zone opportunities because they're a big play team. So a lot of their touchdowns come from, you know, a lot of it comes even from outside the red zone. Uh, they're a big explosive team. The biggest concern with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, honestly, is just his, it's it's his receptions, it's his targets. He doesn't have any. He's got three. That's not enough. You know, when they drafted this guy, when Andy Reid came out and said, this is going to be, he reminds me of Brian Westbrook. That's what it's going to be. And Brian Westbrook was a running back one overall and a high-end running back one for multiple years because of his usage in the passing game. And this is not coming to fruition yet in Kansas City. So that's my biggest concern. It, it, I don't know how this offense is going to change or what's going to happen to it, but something needs to change for Clyde edwards Lair to have high-end value because he's just not being used and there's not using a running game because there's not anybody even behind him that you're scared off of right like there's no it's not like melvin gordon javante williams like oh it's gonna go this way or that way it's not michael carter and tevin coleman and ty johnston like which way does it go no it's Clyde edwards Alaire, and they're just not using them this offense is explosive it's gonna be explosive he's on a five-year deal as a first round pick it's not like he looks terrible out there when he gets to football either. It just comes down to scheme and usage. And the biggest concern, and when I had one of my bold predictions was he was going to be a top six fantasy running back, was 
because I thought this was going to be the year that Andy Reid was going to use him like Brian Westbrook. I thought he was going to come out of the season with 65 to 75 receptions and be that kind of caliber player and be the short dump-off running back for Pat Mahomes. So, I mean, I look at it as a buy-low window. I tried to buy low in the league on Clay, Clyde Orzelaire, and the guy came back and countered with two firsts. So it's like, get the fuck out of here. So I think my biggest thing with CEH is, like you said, obviously we want the receptions, especially when it comes to reaching that potentially super high elite ceiling for running backs. I actually thought coming out of college that he was better at catching the football than he was as some of the other rushers in that class, especially between the tackle. So the fact that they're really not using what at least I saw he was better at skill set wise is interesting to me. And I don't know if that's just a product of, Patrick Mahomes, just because you have a great quarterback and you're like, well, if he's so good, why don't why do we have to check it down? Why can't we push the ball down the field? But I I will say it's you know his 27 rushing attempts, you know roughly you know for practical purposes 14 per game uh, through the first two weeks. I mean that's a solid workload on the ground, but even within that, he just hasn't looked good. Like no. like. Like uh, Chad alluded to, you know, his true yards per carry, he ranks 49th yards per touch. He's 45th. I mean, he's just not even efficient in a relatively decent volume. But like I said, and like you alluded to, that's the biggest thing. The three receptions is just kind of like a why thing. Like I just. He was the best pass catching back coming out of this class. He really was. And it's just, there's a lot of mystery. Again, I don't ever try to flip out after two weeks, right? Like I don't try to say, this is an absolute yeah but like my i'm i'm worried you know like i'm worried about clyde edwards alaire because i mean he, he had a lot of high praise for myself uh in that offense and i think you mentioned it as well like pat mahomes like he doesn't want to check it down that's a problem uh he's that great he might be in too good of an offense for him like i said that's the thing he's not even getting red zone opportunities this year because all their all their touchdowns are coming outside the red zone outside the 10 yard line it's yep. just they have Travis Kelsey. They have Tyree Kill. So it's like I said, it it was bad that last game when Clyde Lair is wide open, sitting there in the flats for the checkdown, and Pat Mahomes looked right at him and was like, "Now nah, I'm good, son. I'm a I'm pushing this ball downfield, Superman style." So it, it it's a worry, but what I mean, what are you gonna do? You know what I mean? Like you're this is yeah. the bad that you made. So you're not selling Clyde Edwards Lair because people are gonna want him for a yeah. discount, and you're not yep. selling for a discount. So you ride it out. You know what I mean? You ride it out. We thought, you know, Miles Sanders in Philadelphia, you know, I, th- I thought he showed that he could be a pass catcher running back, not use. Josh Jacobs coming out. Was it, he was a fantastic pass catcher running back coming out of Alabama, not used at all like that in, in, in the Raiders. We say this all the time uh, on the podcast. It's, it's important where you go. It really is for fans. It's important where you go scheme and usage is important it's what made alvin kamara such a dynasty gold mine for these last four years because was he the best running back in the nfl no but the scheme and the system he was in matched with his skill set was fantasy football gold so right now it doesn't look that way for Clyde edwards it looks like more like he's a penny compared to a big shiny silver dollar and you got to sit with it you got to sit with that penny in your pocket and and hope things change. And, you know, eventually Travis Kelsey, he's, he's 30, about to be 32 years old. He's, he can't keep going forever. So you always have 2022 worst case scenario, but it's, it, it's, it's terrible, man. Cause these running backs have such a short shelf life as it is. So you can't just say like, 
oh, well, 2021 was a loss after 2020 was already a loss because every single year counts for these guys. And then even though he's on a five-year deal, once these first two years are out the window, now you're down to three years. Now you're just down another regular, you know, a regular running back taking the second round, third round. So things are getting scary. But again, week two, let's talk. If we had this conversation in week eight and things, this was happening, I'd be like, yeah, this is, this is code red. He's a running back three. I, I will say, though, I, there, Sam had a saying last week on, on the podcast that really resonated with me. He said the old saying is one's a dot, two's a line, three's a trend. So last week we saw the blip. You know, we don't know what to make of this. It's week one. Week two, we kind of saw the same thing. So as Rich said, once week three, week four, once we start moving, you know, down the line over the course of the next couple of weeks, if nothing is really changing, I, then you got to start sounding the alarm. And then it is what it is. Yep. Then it is what it is. It's kind of like Josh Jacobs, his situation. It is what it is. Is it a terrible situation? No, he was running back one last year, but it's not what you drafted it for him. It, it's not, it's not there. Like if you were me and you took him ahead of Jonathan Taylor, you know, uh, it's not, if you took him ahead of Deandre Swift, it's hell. It's not even if you took him ahead of JK Dobbins, because I still have high expectations for JK Dobbins for the 2022 season. So that was a strong running back class. And Very. when you're at the top of that draft class, we just mentioned before how that sigh of relief earlier in the show about when what we see out of Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Rondé Moore. Like, you have that sigh of relief this early saying, okay, I'm going to get production. Like, you're still holding your breath a year and two games later on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So that's how important that sigh of relief is because you need that because otherwise you literally just lost your rookie class. You lost an entire year of being a bad dynasty team. You know what I mean? Like there is no gain for being bad. The whole point of playing dynasty, as I say it all the time, when you play dynasty fantasy football is even when you're losing, you're winning because you get that high draft capital to have that player forever. And if you whiff, you're still a loser. And Clyde Edwards, Alaire owners, unfortunately right now are still losers. Yeah. And I think I, I definitely, um, you know, kind of hated on him as I introduced this topic here. So I, I think there is, some like reasons for optimism just in the rich you you mentioned like the way that they're using him and i think that's a really good point because you see just the numbers and they don't look great you watch some of the tape and it hasn't looked great but he has zero carries inside the five yard line um zero carries inside the red zone not a single person on that team has a carry inside the five yard line they are as you alluded to scoring lots of long touchdowns. Um, even, you know, you look at his fantasy output and his expected fantasy output, he's only minus 3.9 points behind his, ex- his expectation, the, um, the points that he should have scored, um, the points that he's left on the table. That's not great, but like really, sh- that really shows you how they're, they're not putting him in advantageous situations and not really making the most of him. So I think, you know, at some point he's going to, he's going to get some carries inside the five. Um, He's going to get more red zone looks. He's going to start seeing some targets, especially when you have, I mean, right now, Michael Hardman has 11 targets through two games, you know, Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, all those guys are getting in the mix. Like if any of those guys go down, they can't target Tyreek Hill and, uh, Kelsey on every single play at some point through the season, they're going to have to utilize CEH in the passing game a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, so. it's not in the, I mean, look, I mean, cause it, he has more Clyde Edwards has more points 
than he has 0.2 more points than Saquon Barkley. Uh, by all accounts, Javante Williams has had a fantastic start to the season, we said. He's literally just 0.7 points behind Javante Williams. Now, I know he's in a timeshare, but we like the way he looks. You know what I mean? So right. there's a lot – this early, there's a lot of guys that it, it's easy to be this far back. And, again, you go by how they looked, but Saquon Barkley looks pedestrian besides that big 40-yard run. You know, so – but are we are we selling Saquon Barkley for pennies on a dollar? Again, let's just be patient. Let's see where we are. I like that. I like that line you use. A dot's, you know, one's a dot, two's a line, three's a trend. Let's let's see. Let's see where we can predict. So all it takes is all it takes is one game to be back. You know, I mean, like there it is. Like it's just a slow start. It's a long season. It's 17 games this year. Let's let's breathe. Let's just breathe. And again, remember, Clyde Edwards had that ankle injury too, where he missed a preseason as well. So we don't know that that stuff carries over. It's why Elijah Moore hasn't done anything. Elijah Moore starred in camp, you know, but now we are in the regular season, not doing much. He was bad. He was out. These reps are important. Practice is important. So let's, let, let's see where Clyde Edwards ends up. I'm, I'm still, I am still optimistic because I really like this tape coming out of school and he's in too good of an offense for something not to work out. If Damian Williams can work out and be a fancy football uh, startable running back in Kansas city, there's not a doubt in my mind. Clyde Edwards, the Larry can do the same thing. So Bah humbug to all that negativeness. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm willing to give this kid a little, a little bit longer of a leash, but um, let's hope they, they start utilizing him um, in some better ways, but let's go ahead and talk about some offenses that have started off. uh, Well, in the Jaguars case, they've started off pretty slow and, and we've seen some unexpected things from the Jags and, and urban Meyer. I think, you know, for me, Uh, Matt and I both big James Robinson guys. So we've been pretty bummed um, just about the start to the season and and how they've been using him. And Visca is the other one, but what I want to say on James Robinson is just, you know, people were kind of freaking out after week one and rightfully so, but um, week one, he played 64% of the snaps. Uh, Carlos Hyde played 34%. And then in week two, James Robinson played 73% of the snaps and Carlos Hyde played 25%. I think people got a little bit too out in front of themselves on just the fact that Hyde touched the ball more in week one. And, and of course that was concerning, but it was a weird game. You know, Urban Meyer's first NFL game, Trevor Lawrence's first NFL game. They were getting blown out by the Houston Texans. Like sometimes that stuff just gets away from you and you don't realize, okay, you know, Carlos Hyde's touched the ball five, six, seven more times than James Robinson. So I think we're starting to see, I mean, Robinson has been on the field a lot more. And then in week two, I thought he looked okay in week two, Um, but he, you know, played a tough Denver defense, but he's catching the ball. I mean, you know, he got 11 carries in week two. So I, I think, patience again I'm going to speak patience for James Robinson because I think if this offense can get going he's a guy who can really start spiking just like I said he's been on the field way more than Carlos Hyde so I don't think Carlos Hyde is a huge threat um my biggest concern is really around Visca who has an a dot of what is it four four six nine four point six nine that's not good just for reference Marvin Jones and DJ Shark who are both like downfield targets but they're sitting at 15.05 and 16.47. So 
Um, in my eyes right now, I think, you know, Marvin Jones and DJ shark are kind of almost, I would say like co-number ones in this offense. And Visca has kind of been used as just a, a short area slot target uh, gadget kind of weapon. I think, you know, that kind of how I thought they might use ETN. So I'm really a little concerned about Visca, um, but I think things are looking up for James Robinson. Is that how you see it, Rich? Or how do you kind of, how are you looking at this Jaguars start? I look at it as a giant poop sandwich that I that's, want nothing to do with. Um, I, I really didn't want anything to do with LaVisca Chanel. I know his preseason looked really good, but it wasn't a player that overly excited me on tape. Um, player that kind of helps the NFL team. I don't really see him overly helping a fantasy football team, but he did. Show, I, he, I, I'll be fair. He did show some really good promise in the preseason. Um, my guess was always is going to be Marvin Jones was the number one with that report of Darren Bevel there. Uh, James Robinson to me, he had a very, he had a very nice year last year. It was a very solid running back, but once that season, soon as the season ended, uh, hell in season, he was a hard sell for me, a hard sell for me, new coaching staff coming in undrafted free agent. Doesn't matter. Th- these aren't fancy football teams. They're NFL teams and you missed out on the window sell. And then what comes the NFL draft comes and they take a running back in the first round and absolutely shatters James Robinson's dynasty value overall. And when, and honestly, my output right now is, or my, my thinking process is if you still have James Robinson, I feel like that's on you because once Travis Etienne got hurt, that opened a window again to sell James Robinson because this team's made it very clear that he's not the future running back for this team. Um, he, he's, a, he's a nice, solid running back, but there's tons of nice, solid running backs out there in the NFL and on the streets that you can get production out of. So to me, it's hard for guys like James Robinson to find long-term success because one, it's hard for good running backs to find long-term success, right? We did a data study on running backs over a 10 year period. It's if you are a running back one once in your lifetime, there's a 17% chance you'll be a running back one again in your lifetime. And then after that, if you're running back one twice, there's it's under 7%, under 6% if you're going to be a running back one ever again. So these, it's such a fluid position and it's such a short shelf life. Guys like John James Robinson doesn't do matter what they do uh, on, on the field. They, they're playing, they have a hard road to travel. And do you guys remember the running back in Houston, uh, Slayton, uh, back, back in the day? Fantastic fantasy football running back. He, he was a dynamic fantasy football running back. Then after the year was over, you never heard from him again. So I am worried about James Robinson with the Carlos Hyde usage because the way Urban Meyer coaches, like he's a my guy kind of coach, and he brought Carlos Hyde in, and that's his guy. So the fact that he's if he's going to get 25% of the carries, that's a concern. I'm concerned that they're really putting on Trevor Lawrence hard. The fact that a rookie's thrown the football over 50 times as a rookie to start his career, that's a huge concern as well. And I don't see any, I mean, for a team that's going to be trailing all of the time, do you think they're going to take the pedal off the metal of Trevor Lawrence? It's like, Hey, we're just going to run the ball instead. Do you think Urban Meyer is going to start doing that? I don't think he's going to start doing that as well. So, I mean, outside of a super flex tight end premium league, like outside of Trevor Lawrence, I don't want anything to do with any of these guys. I mean, if I have Marvin Jones, I'm okay with it. If I have LaVisca Chanel, I'm okay with it. I had, if I have DJ shark, I like DJ shark as a prospect. I'm okay with it, but do you feel confident putting 
a single one of these guys in your lineup today? Are you, I mean, James Robinson running back 39 on the year behind guys like Philip Lindsay uh, right now. He's not even a running back three right now, James Robinson. And that's with ETM being hurt. So I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are the jet like, in dynasty or Jacksonville Jaguars in NFL. It's just, it's a poop show. You know, at least the Houston Texans got Brandon cooks. I will say I feel fairly confident, maybe confidence, not the right word, optimistic playing James Robinson this week. I mean, Carlos Hyde touched the ball two times last week. Don't you mm-hmm. think that's, that's Urban Meyer and staff going back through and saying like, we fucked up in week one, like, let's fix this. Let's shift back. Cause James Robinson played way more snaps. It just so happened that Hyde maybe got too many touches in week one. They fixed that, corrected that in week two. I mean, and if they're playing from behind a lot, I mean, James Robinson seems to be more of the passing down back than Carlos Hyde anyways. Yeah. I, I mean, but I, I mean, I see what you're you saying. Hope, you hope it goes back to where it was last year to get some usage that way and be a, a very productive running back. And, and, I, and, I, and I agree because he's the most talented running back in that roster. And he's going to get the carries. And we saw like Mike Davis last year. If you're just, if you're just used in a passing game and you're giving the carries, it doesn't matter that you average 13 points per game. You could finish as running back 12 overall on the season. So the opportunity is there in, in, in fantasy football, it's just about opportunity, right? It's, it's, it's why we like certain guys in certain situations. It's why Quintus Cephas in Detroit right now is, is, a, is a nice fantasy football asset. It's because of opportunity and actually being used. It's a complete opposite of what we were talking about Clyde Edwards Laird, right? Like he, we like his skill set. He's just not being used. So the odds of James Robinson being used going forward, you're right. I mean, if I'm, I'm optimistic about that, but I'm, if I'm a James Robinson owner, I pray that happens so I can sell him and get a 23 first or a 22 first for him. Just like I did. Le- I had James Robinson two leagues last year and I sold him in both leagues. Uh, it was a little bit later in the season and I got first round picks in both leagues for him. And I was ecstatic about it. And, it, but and it's also, how I play dynasty though, too. Like if I ever get a running back and I get him for free, essentially, and I can get a first round pick for him, he's off my roster immediately. Uh, I'm a firm believer that in dynasty fantasy football, the running back should always be the most fluid position on your roster. And you should be using these. You should treat them like the NFL does. Just use them up and spit them out and then draft new ones. that you can plug and play. Cause then all of a sudden you're drafting guys like Elijah Mitchell uh, and you're putting them in your lineup. You know what I mean? There, there's, there, it's such, it's such a better way to stay on top of the dynasty game. So for me, I do think James Robinson will be a little bit more productive. Uh, I like the fact that already in week two that he was being used a little bit more. I am concerned about how much you're throwing the football. That's a huge concern for me for Trevor Lawrence and for James Robinson. But I mean, the moment that James Robinson busts off two consecutive games where he has over double digit points, I'm selling again. I'm, I'm just getting him off my roster because Jaguars in April made a point of saying, Hey, Travis Etienne, <laughs> we, we, we need to help this running game out. And they took a running back in the first round. So that's a concern to me as well, just as everything else. There, there's just way too many red flags everywhere. I look around James Robinson and the rest of these players that I, if I'm competing for a dynasty champion football championship or a rebuild, like I don't, I don't need all this red around me. I need more green and I need to keep moving forward. So I'm shedding, I'm trading, I'm looking for windows, I hope LaVisca could bust off a couple of good games. So I could sell him possibly. I'm just, I'm, I don't want anything to do with any of these guys unless their name's Trevor Lawrence in the Superflex League. 
Matt, I know you, I know you probably have some things to say. So <laughs> why uh, don't you? I don't want to touch on James Robinson. I feel like I just go down a rabbit hole on that one, but I, <laughs> I, I will say that I, I am concerned, not so much that the Jags, that Trevor Lawrence is passing 50 times a game. I'm concerned that the coaching staff is wanting to do that because the easiest way to help transition a rookie quarterback from college into the NFL is to run the football. Let him see these coverages multiple times before you just come out week one and firing it 50 times on stuff he's probably never even seen before. It's just not a good way to bring in such young talent into the league. And I just feel like Urban's trying to force something that's just not there yet. But I will say right now I'm hesitant to start Jags players, but it could get better because the Jags right now are second in the league in pace of play. They're third in pass attempts. Uh, the team as a whole, the wide receiver core as a whole is second in air yards. So it's one of those things when, when it does finally start to click, which could be next week, could be three weeks from now. It's just something you're going to have to stay patient and redraft. I don't know if you have the time to stay patient, but in dynasty you do. Once it starts to click, these guys should start to hit. There should be a lot of fantasy points to go around in an offense like this, especially if they continue to throw so much. Uh, yeah, DJ, they have the, they have the second most drop passes in the league. Yeah. And I, and I will say, if you go back to week one and you watch that tape where DJ Shark got the 12 targets, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think only four of his targets were actually within range of catching, and he caught three of those four. The other eight were somewhere just off in space. I mean, Trevor Lawrence does not look good. I, I'm looking at a stat here. 36% of his pass attempts so far have been deemed uncatchable. Leads the league, which is it, crazy, right? It leads the league, and uh, they lead the league in uncatchable t- uh, balls, and then they also like lead the lead in drop balls. Like It's the most yeah. – it's, it's the worst combination you watch. It, it's just such a weird spot to be in, and – you know, like Rich said, like Marvin Jones and, and DJ Shark, you know, take whatever guy you want. It's a 1A, 1B scenario. They're both seeing close to 10 targets a game. It's just the way it is. And, you know, week one, DJ Shark could have had 200 yards and like a touchdown, like if those balls were in his range. Like Marvin Jones last week could have had like 180 yards and a touchdown. I mean, there's just massive games waiting to be had. It's just you have to be patient with Lawrence and hope that at some point it calms down or the coaching staff uh, starts letting the wide receivers run – simpler route concepts instead of such complex things and that i mean and as for james robinson i I will say i'm a big james robinson guy i enjoy rooting for him i totally understand rich's aspect of wanting to sell him for me though i'm a little more optimistic that he actually gets moved next offseason because with being an undrafted guy you only get a three-year contract and i think after year one he knows he's good enough to play in the league i think the nfl knows he's good enough to play in the league he's going to ask for money and I don't think the Jags are going to pay him. So I think someone comes knocking on the door next summer. Hey, we'll give you our third or fourth or fifth, what have you for James Robinson. A team like Seattle could jump, could jump into that with Penny probably leaving. Carson seems to be on the sideline more often than not. So I, I just feel like there's still an opportunity in dynasty for him. Although you have to be really comfortable with where your team is in order to hold on to him. Yeah. And you have to be, and you just have to get really lucky because yeah. I, one if you're trading for him, you're getting a six-round pick at best. I know you said third, fourth. That's not happening for an undrafted free agent of his because they know they would just let him walk and they'll just sign him. It just, it's hard. It's, it's hard, and not for James Robinson, but for all of these running backs, all of these running backs. I mean, that I mean, Cream Hunt's gonna be available after the end of next year. You know, like it just oh, he's, he got signed to an extension. I know it was a three-year extension, and after next year, it's, it's oh, is it out? 
Yeah, it, no, next after next year, not, not oh, this I year, see, but I, see. Year. I, I got you, I got you, I got you. You know what I mean? It's like it's these it's these young kids that come in that come in constantly. It just pushes these guys back, and nobody wants to pay them when you can draft guys like Kenneth Gainwell and Elijah Mitchell at the back end of these drafts. You know what I mean? It's just yep. it's too hard. It's too hard to get good deals. It's it really is. It's I feel bad for all these running backs because of how unless you're underappreciated, unless you're like a, a dynamite player, like a Nick Chubb or a Dalvin Cook that gets these contract extensions. I just think James Robinson's a guy that is talented, but he'll not, I don't know if he'll ever be the guy anywhere. I just don't, I just don't see it. And I, and I'm glad you like him. And, I, and this is anything against him. I'm rooting for all these kids to find success. You know what I mean? But I only look at this from a dynasty fantasy football perspective and for playing dynasty for 20 years, it's just I've seen this show before. I've seen this sure. movie before. I've seen guys like James Robinson come in, and they, you're like, "Hey, this is a good running back." And then you, that's it. They're just gone. You know, like I, said, I mentioned, Steve Slayton for the the Texans in one year. Like he looked like a really good running back with high upside in Dynasty his rookie year. I'm like, "This is a guy. This is a player. I need him on my Dynasty team." Never to be heard from again. I mean, people. I mean, look at. Todd Gurley, I know, and he could, obviously he has a knee condition, but you know, over 3,800 yards from scrimmage and 40 touchdowns in two years. And then all of a sudden he's just deceased, yeah. you know, Le'Veon Bell wants five more dollars in his pocket. And all of a sudden now he's, he went from being one of the most productive fantasy football running backs we've seen to non-existent because nothing, nothing, he didn't even get hurt. He just took a year off because he didn't get the money he wanted. So every, like we kind of mentioned with Clyde Edwards earlier, like how every year counts every every week counts because that shelf life is so short you blink an eye and it's over so you mentioned like hold on or wait for more it's like no man when those windows open you gotta move unless you know this is the guy that's why they're always so fluid and that's why i say james it, it, it's so fickle and it's so 50 52 with a guy like james robinson could he move on and maybe he ends up in seattle and that's a fantastic spot for a guy like james robinson he does and it works out he's a fantasy football running back for three years of course that could happen, but that's a, what, two out of 10, you know, one out of five shot sure. you're looking at right there. So to me, it's kind of like fantasy football is another form of gambling. Like I'm looking at odds all the time. Like what are my odds? What are my percentages here? And for running backs, the good running backs, like I mentioned earlier, the odds are already against them. So for guys like James Robinson, we have to tenfold that. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how good he looks in James Robinson because we mentioned like Clyde Wurzler, it's all about scheme. It's all about system. It's all about usage. And maybe just at that very moment, that was the perfect usage for James Robinson. And that was the perfect scheme for James Robinson. It's why we see a lot of these guys go to new teams and they don't find success. They're like, well, he's very really true. good, you know, and it's just a new scheme and a new system and it didn't work out. So that, and that, and that's, that's what, that's what I mean about James Robinson. It's nothing against with what I think he could do. It's just, it's it's just, it's the reality of the game we live in. That's all. And it's it, and in dynasty, those are those are key moves you have to make. So it just goes back to my point. At one point, you could got a first round pick for James Robinson, and if that opens back up again because as we get close, you hope James Robinson picks it back up, right? So as we get closer to this playoff season, when the teams, that's when teams are most desperate for running backs because they're, they're more hurt by then, and they're making that playoff push. And that's where they get real desperate. And that's where I sold all my James Robinson shares with all the playoff contender push teams. So that's what I'm talking about. It's like, I'm not selling, say, sell James Robinson because I think he's a bad player. He's terrible. It's just odds are of him ever being a running back one again are almost slim to none. So if there's ever a window to capitalize that and get a first round pick, which is extremely valuable in dynasty fans football, because then now you could draft guys 
that come in and replace them. You can get guys that will be definitely in a super flex league. These running backs are there at pick eight, nine, 10, 11. You just have to see the, he sees the moment. You know what I mean? It's like, and be okay with being wrong. You have to be okay with James Robinson being a running back one again. You have to be okay with those kind of moves because it's the only way to find that line long-term success. Cause we have the face to facts. There's no long-term success at the running back position. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I put out a tweet. Um, I think, I think it was before the season. Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was even before ETN's injury, but I compared um, James Robinson and, and kind of just to a, um, um, drawing a blank, your Seahawks running back, Chris Carson, Carson just Penny. in being like an undrafted guy that just seems to continue to beat the odds. And that's kind of how I felt about James Robinson. But of course, that's the exception, not the rule. We know that, right? It usually works out like a, uh, like, like Philip Lindsay did here in Denver. There were people who loved him and undrafted guy comes in, rushes for a thousand yards. And then, I mean, he's gone. He's on the lowly Texans, barely touching the ball. Like, so definitely, I think that's important to think about. Um, like you said, Rich, you're kind of playing the odds with these. Um, but with that, let's let's talk about the 49ers kind of playing the odds in that offense. I think most people uh, would have put their money on Brandon Ayuk being the wide receiver one there. It seems to be Debo Samuel. Um, we talked a little bit about the running back situation. Elijah Mitchell breaking out ahead of Sermon, um, even Hasty ahead of ahead of Sermon initially. Everybody's hurt now besides Elijah Mitchell, it seems like. Ayuk snaps didn't go up that much in week two. Um, I don't know if it's still kind of a hamstring thing. If they nope, just it's not a hamstring thing. So okay, why don't you it's not? It's a Kyle, it's a Kyle, it's Shanahan, a Kyle thing. Shanahan thing. Yes, Matt. Hold on, that. It's a Kyle Shanahan thing. Kyle Shanahan has an ego, and it ain't big enough for him and Ayuk. Well, and I you, said this on the pod last it. week. I feel like Shanahan is trying to create that kind of Bill Bill Belichick persona. Like, you're going to come here. You're going to do it, you know, the Patriot way. I feel like Shanahan's trying to build that kind of sense where everybody knows, like, he doesn't care when you were drafted, who you are. He's going to play whoever he wants, and you got to do it his way. And I think that's kind of the the perception he's trying to create. But where does that leave us, I guess, with this with this wide receiver group? See, I kind of compared it to how John Gruden back in the early 2000s and even, you know, when he got his job again with Oakland, now Vegas, how the big stigma behind him was he's always in love with the next quarterback. He's never content with the guy that he has now. He's always looking for the next one. And I feel like that Shanahan with every player on his team not a specific position it's just that he falls in and out of love very easily with guys last year I was the guy this year you know I I I really don't know what's going on he misses the two weeks with the hammy thing in the preseason and then maybe he like missed a team dinner or something or he butt dialed Shanahan at one in the morning pissed him off and then that that's that like I just don't know what to think here I mean I think last week he played 50% of the snaps compared to like week one where it was like 30 or something like that. So I guess it's technically trending in the right direction. But as far as Debo Samuel goes, I always thought he was a really good football player. I mean, he's, he, he really is what we want LaVisca Chenault to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, But his big thing that my, my thing with him was always injuries Uh, dealt with those first couple years. I mean, but he's, super good with the football in his hands i mean in space i mean this guy can make all kinds of people miss and you were saying elijah mitchell i'm not entirely sure he's healthy i believe he was held out of practice today uh he does have the shoulder thing they signed uh jakees rogers from 
somebody's practice squad. Trey Sermon's in concussion protocol. Hasty's banged up. Uh, I will say for dynasty purposes, and I think this even goes for redraft, I would see if you can go grab Jeff Wilson right now because he's on my podcast last night. There you go. So he's on the pup list till week seven or week eight or whenever, whenever they get him off. And he might come in and straight away, just if he's healthy, just assume the 15 plus carries uh, that Shanahan is giving Mitchell. I'm not, I believe Shanahan likes Mitchell and I don't believe Mitchell's just ever going to go away. I'm not sure that he's the kind of guy that's going to carry your running game 19 plus times a game. Well, what's interesting to me, Mitchell reminds me a lot. Sorry, Rich, you can um, go ahead. But I, Mitchell reminds me a lot of Jarek McKinnon and Raheem Mostert, two guys that Shanahan loved, which I find pretty interesting. Yeah, I like a lot what Matt had to say. I like like Elijah Mitchell coming out. I talked to him up on the podcast during our rookie breakdowns. Um, You mentioned Kyle Shanahan. He's a guy. He has a history of this. He has a history of featuring one wide receiver, right? And they get heavily targeted. Uh, Brent Ayuk had a real strong end of the half year last year because uh Debo Samuel was hurt and he was out and George Kittle is banged up and even then I mean Ayuk had a couple of good games but he like he didn't blow the world on fire but in Dice community he, he was on fire but now he's in Shanahan's doghouse and that's a hard doghouse to get out from under on top of Debo Samuel being a very dynamic wide receiver like I love Debo Samuel I love Debo Samuel coming out as a rookie I gave him a first round grade uh he actually was it was, it was between him and Terry McLaurin and it was Debo Samuel that just pushed Terry McLaurin right outside my first round. And I had Terry McLaurin at 2-1 of those rookie rankings. And Debo Samuel is, a, like you mentioned, LaVisca Schultz is what everybody wants him to be uh, or wants LaVisca to be like Debo. And that's a, that's a great comp. It's just Debo's way more dynamic. Uh, he comes running back in his football with, with the football in his hand, and he's wide receiver three overall in the year. And I love it. And Brandon Ayuk right now is the third option in the passing game. And that offense, when that's a you do not want to be the third option in a Kyle Shannon offense because you're not getting you're not getting thrown the football. It's that simple. It's going to be George Kittle. I mean, even George Kittle's slightly suffering from Debo Samuel because that's how Kenneth Child's Shanahan offense operates. When George Kittle was getting all those targets of being the man beforehand, even before Shannon's, because they didn't have any really good wide receivers. So it was easily funnel that funnel that offense through George Kittle. Debo Samuel is a good wide receiver. And Brandon Ayuk's going to need people to get hurt for him to become a factor in this offense. And maybe if Trey Lance come in and switch it up, possibly. But, I mean, unfortunately, just kind of we mentioned before to some of these other players, you're stuck with Ayuk. You're not training him. He holds he zero worth, literally zero worth right now because somebody give you a second at best for Ayuk, and you can't train him for there. He's a first-round pick that offers high upside. So I love Debo Samuel. Uh, when it comes to running backs, I said in the podcast last night, same thing. I was like, if, go check your waiver wire, see if Jeff Wilson's on there. Because he looked he, – he was the best running back on San Francisco last year. And will can he overtake Trey Sermon uh, and Elijah Mitchell? I don't know because, like you said, Jamichael Hasty overtook Trey Sermon already. Elijah Mitchell uh, overtook him. And they traded up for Trey Sermon. <laughs> they traded up for him. So, Raheem Moster's obviously out for the year. It, it, it's hard because – of Kyle Shanahan, this running back, this running back situation in San Francisco has been so just nonstop changing. It's like, it's like we're looking at a Rubik's cube, right? That we just can't get the colors to line up because we're constantly going left. We're constantly going right. We're constantly going up. We're going down this week. It's this guy. And then it's this guy. And the problem is whatever guy it is, 
they produce and they look good. So it's easy to get excited about it because his offense is so running back friendly in that outside zone running scheme. So it works so well. So it makes guys like Jeff Wilson look good. It makes it's why you're excited about Elijah Mitchell because he's got the speed to have success in this offense. Like kind of mentioned like Alvin Kamara earlier, like is Alvin Kamara the best? No, but it's a perfect scheme for him. Throw any running back thing into the outside in this offense, and they're going to score fancy football points. And last time I remember, the only way to win championships is score more fancy football points than your opponent. So that's exactly what I'm looking for out of these fan, out of these players. It's it's a weird situation because um, I it, kind of the opposite of Jacksonville. Like I want all these shares. I want Trey Lance. I want Debo Samuel. I want George Kittle. I want Trey Sermon, even though he's not going to get the carries because if he has a possibility of carries in this offense, I want Elijah Mitchell. I want Jeff Wilson off the waiver wire because he has the opportunity to get these carries. Um, and I want Ayuk because Ayuk showed uh, some really good upside last year. And if, if, if Debo goes down, he's a he could be wide receiver three overall going forward. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it's just tricky because you mentioned he's got a, Kyle Shanahan's a diva. He thinks he's, he thinks he's the God's gift to NFL coaching and he's very good at it. So it, who am I to say somebody that does a podcast talking any shit about Kyle Shanahan? Cause the guy is an offensive genius, but he does. He he's, he's got a child's mentality. He's got a, uh, this entitled mentality of like, you, you mentioned like Bill Belichick, like, Oh, Hey, you pocket down me at one in the morning. Guess what? You could play 50% of snaps, but I'm telling Jimmy, you get no, tar- you get no throws. You get no throws. They're all going to Debo. And then, then they're going to go to George and they're going to go to a running back. So, so it's, it's a weird situation to have because there's a lot of players you want on your roster, but you're only really starting two of them right now. Cause even George Kittle's down the list right now. He's not getting it done, but again, it's week two. My panties aren't bunched up yet. I'm breathing. I'm okay. Let's see. Let's see if this turns into a line, not a dot. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, Kittle and his targets being down a little bit. They are, he's got nine targets. Debo Samuel's got 20. Uh, tied for their third leading target getter is Jamichael Hasty. So that just kind of tells you how the production and target share just falls off after Debo and Kittle. Um, so really it's, it's Debo Kittle. And then whichever running back is hot at the moment, those are the only guys you want to play in this offense. So, but you, you got to hang on to Ayuk for now and just kind of hope he gets back in good graces and, and Samuel does get hurt a lot. So it's very possible that, you know, Samuel misses some time and, and Ayuk works his, his way back in there. But um, a lot of good stuff there on the Niners before we head out of here. I just want to kind of open it up. What are some just key takeaways, things you've noticed? I don't know, guys who've risen fallen. I know we're not panicking, but just kind of early on in the first two weeks, who are you buying, selling any key takeaways you want to share rich, anything like that? Uh, on the nerd Herd episode yesterday, we were talking about like one of my, my, on the nerd Herd Now this season, we're doing every week we're doing, we're each all three of us, we're each given a buy and a sell for the week, right? Because Dynasty is about buy and sell window. It's how you play the game. Uh, I say it all the time, Dynasty, people, you know, we have, a, we have a million Dynasty shows out there. We have a million Dynasty sites out there to kind of get all our information for, and information is key in this game. But I can break Dynasty Fantasy Football down to the simplest form for all of your listeners and everybody that ever wants to talk Dynasty Fantasy Football. It's who to buy, it's who to sell, and it's who to draft. <coughs> excuse me, that's dynasty in a hole. So, I mean, you're always looking for these windows, kind of like James Robinson. Right now, I think a good sell window is Marquise Brown for the Baltimore Ravens. Currently a, a wide receiver, one first-round pedigree. We know this team does not throw the football a ton. And the reason I say that is, I mean, Mar- Marquise Brown's look good. 
but they draft Rashad Bateman in the first round this year. And Rashad Bateman looked really good in camp. He's going to take away some targets for him. Uh, Sammy Watkins other day saw seven targets. Mark Andrews tar- only saw five. Mark Andrews targets are going to go up. They're going to run the ball more. Marquise Brown's targets are just going to go down a little bit. Already on a team that throws the ball the least in the NFL. That worries me right now. <clears throat> Marquise Brown is a wide receiver one coming off a really good game, had a good game the week before. And I really expect this week he, they played the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are pretty much dead last in the league when it comes to stopping the fantasy football wide receiver. I expect Marquise Brown to have another good game. And then things start to get a little bit more tough down there. Then Rashad Bateman's going to come back not too long after that. So to me, I think this is a really good window to sell Marquise Brown. I'm not saying give Marquise Brown away, but if you can get a first round pick for Marquise Brown, which after this third week, I expect you should be able to do that. I am selling Marquise Brown in dynasty, which is, which is hard to do. You don't get to hear much and say there's a young guy who's a first round pick. Who's only 24 years old, putting up wide receiver one numbers. Why are you selling them? It's just, again, it, all the odds are pointing dead to, this will not hold up. He's more, he's more going to be what he always does. It's kind of that roller coaster player. He's so dynamic to have those big games here and there. But at the end of the year, he finishes as a, a high-end wide receiver three, mid-range wide receiver three. And to me, I'd rather invest in that first-round pick and then have two first-round picks and then move up and get that dynamic player that could be a C.D. Brown, a Justin Jefferson, uh, instead of being stuck with Marquise Brown because he's the kind of player that, yeah, you have him on your team. He's a nice player. And then all of a sudden you get to the playoffs – Oh, he helps you You win your first playoff game. And then the second playoff game, he gets you three points. And you're like, what the shit? I just lost by five points. Thanks a lot, Marquise Brown. You're not helping me win. You're putting me in a position where I had to put you in my lineup and I can't count on you week in, week out. And the best ability is reliability. And I can't rely on Marquise Brown. So I'm selling. Yeah, those are some good names. Um, real quick, I want to touch on... Obviously, you mentioned Quintez Cephas, and I can't get out of here without talking about Quintez Cephas. I know that, um, you know, Sam's not here, but those of us, those of you who have been listening know that him and I kind of went back and forth on Quintez Cephas a little bit. Um, I mean, I think the expectation was that this wide receiver one role in, in Detroit would have really no value, but... I think I'm kind of surprised how much value has been there, how much meat's been on the bone after, you know, Swift and Hawkinson. And really this guy has had seven targets um, in each of the first two weeks. He's looked like the best wide receiver they have. He high points the football really well. He was frequently mentioned his teammate, Jeff Okuda said that he's the toughest when Okuda entered the league, he said Cephas was the toughest cover in, in college football. Um, the guy is not the fastest, but he's just a really good player. And I think he can establish himself in this offense and become, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a wide receiver one for 10 years, but I think he can establish himself enough in this offense that a, he can have success this year and B, even if they add somebody next year, he can be a long-term, you know, wide receiver two in this offense. And you know, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that he finishes as a wide receiver three or four this year. So um, I think he's worth an investment there. Um, TJ Hawkinson, a guy that I talked up all off season as the guy, the next guy up at tight end that was going to push into that elite tier. I think um, he's looked every bit as good as I had hoped. I mean, 20 targets already. So I, I think uh, 
I would probably have him as my tight end three right now in dynasty. That's probably where I take him. I take him ahead of ahead of Kittle right now. I don't know my tight end two. And I, I, don't, I, just, my, I had him as my dynasty tight end two going into this offseason, like last offseason is my dynasty tight end two. Wow. Okay. That's so we talked about him a lot on this podcast. I prefer Hawkinson, Matt, you know, we kind of went back and forth on some Hawkinson versus Fant, but I mean, Hawkinson looks as good as you could hope all the numbers. I'm not going to read them all, but the Wait, guy, Matt, hold is, on. I got to stop you. You would take Noah Fant over TJ Hawkinson. I would. Unbelievable. Isn't that great? That take is the craziest to me. And I unbelievable. And even after two weeks of seeing what we've seen from Hawkinson, but we won't, we won't go down that road. <laughs> the last thing I want to get to is the Chargers offense. Who Unbelievable. Um, um, first of all, they're using Mike Williams correctly. He is, I think, you know, I, I don't know if he, Rich, do you think Mike Williams is a sell high or are you? Hell no, you know, I'm buying all day, Mike Williams. Yeah, yeah. he looks I've really t- good. I've been saying to buy Mike Williams for five years straight now. And gonna- <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally, finally yeah. it's paying off. But L- really, literally um, when you said you wanted to do some buys, he was my buy. If we, we had time, that was my buy, Mike Williams. There I you go. I, I love the way they're using him, too. Um, Look at that ADOT. The ADOT, yeah. They're, they're finally – he's not just a deep downfield guy. He, you know, he can do – he can run you some slants and be that that X receiver in that offense like uh, like Michael Thomas was. He's on pace um, for 187 targets. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, Michael, Michael Thomas. When Michael Joe Thomas. Labardi came in from New Orleans, he said he's going to use Mike Williams in the Michael Thomas X role. Uh, and he's literally been a man of his word so far. And he's being targeted. He's on pace for 187 targets. Um, I know my podcast partner the other day, he extrapolated that from his, his targets, his average. Uh, if you take a combined it for the, over the last two years, he's going to get, he's going to see over about 125 receptions for 1400 yards. That's high in wide receiver one numbers. He's currently tied for, uh, wide receiver five overall with Amari Cooper, um, and, and, and I, and they're paying him $15 million and he's got Justin Herbert. So I, I love Mike Williams. I think it's going to continue. I love seeing his a dot drop down from 15 to nine, or I think it's like 11, I think even now right around there and he's being used. And I think there's even more to come as the offensive line gels. I think Mike Williams uh, looks absolutely fantastic there in LA. And I think he's got a bright future. Yeah. I love that. And people forget, I mean, he was drafted. He was, a, what was he drafted? Like top how? seven. Yeah, Top I seven. I think seven. he was seven. Yeah, was seven. that's what I was thinking. Um, but really, this Chargers offense, one last thing real quick. Austin Eckler already has as many carries inside the five as he did in all 10 games he played last season. Um, and a two-point conversion already. He has two red zone targets. Only saw nine in 10 games last year. Seven red zone carries, just 18 last season. So he's getting the goal line work. He is their goal line back on top of um, everything else. He saw zero targets in week one. They corrected that nine targets in week two, plus the goal line work. Um, you know, probably not a long-term investment in dynasty, but I think if you're really going for it, he's a good, he's a, a good guy to buy with that goal line work. I think he's going to take off. Can I talk about my guy now? Yes. Thank you. So DJ Hawkinson. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to double down, triple down, quadruple down, whatever you want to call it from my wide receiver guy from this offseason. Michael Pittman Jr. had a relatively quiet week one, but week two, he looked freaking fantastic. Uh, I will say, though, off of his – so he saw 12 targets in week two, which I think is a more consistent than the three he saw week one. 
Uh, he's he's sixth in snap share in the NFL. He's seventh in routes run. He's 22nd in targets with 16 total. But again, we saw the three week one, the 12 in week two. Uh, he's 11th in air yard share. He's eighth in deep targets. He's 11th in red zone targets. So there's a lot of opportunity going on here that really started last week after that anemic week one start. Uh, obviously, Carson Wentz has like five sprained ankles and a hurt shoulder or something else. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I think the most impressive thing to me was Michael Pittman had 12 targets for eight receptions, 123 yards against a really good Rams secondary. So what that showed to me is that he can be a team's alpha against some of the best secondaries in the league, secondaries that include players like all pro Jalen Ramsey. So I think he's still being extremely undervalued right now. It probably wouldn't cost a first to go get him. You could probably get him for a mid to late second. I think I disagree. You don't think you can get him for that? Hell no. Not from anybody that plays dynasty on a regular. I don't think so. I think you got to pay a first. That being said, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to pay a first. Yeah. I mean, sorry sorry to interrupt. I do. No, you're good. I I, I I would too. too. I would too, but I just know how, you know, during this whole process, there was people that were poo-pooing on him because he apparently face-planted his rookie year. I don't understand that. But I love what Matt Harmon has said on Pittman all offseason. And I even went back and I looked. So Matt Harmon had Michael Pittman on a similar trajectory as Allen Robinson's career thus far through, I guess, the first year and two games. So I went back and I pulled Allen Robinson's stats compared to Michael Pittman's stats through week two of their sophomore year. Pittman's keeping pace. He's a little behind the touchdown department, four to one. But other than that, they're relatively close. I think he's four behind in receptions. He's like 80 yards behind in receiving yards. So it might be, I mean, Matt Harmon might have nailed this one in the head. If Carson Wentz can stay healthy and can continue to deliver the ball, Michael Pittman could be a 120-plus target guy a year, 1,000 yards, eight, eight receiving touchdowns. I think he's an excellent buy candidate right now. Yeah, a couple of things on that. Uh, you know, Matt Harmon probably hit on the head. You can check him out. Dynasty Nerds probably hit on the head. This is a guy who uh, – and you said it, piggybacking off week one. I'd go back farther than that. Just piggybacking off the playoff game last year yeah. when he was the number one wide receiver there. This was um, – if you're not familiar with what I do – uh, at Dynasty Nerds, one of the big parts of our offseason is we, we scout every rookie coming in and we break them all down. We watch the film. We actually give you the opportunity to watch all that film on Dynasty, at Dynasty Nerds. We have game tape of every – we have the Dynasty Nerds film room. We can watch all the rookies. At the end of last year, when I got done uh, – when we got done with all our rookies, wide receivers, after like three weeks of breaking them down, at the very end of the show, I was like, you know what I came away with all these rookie tape is? I think I was too low on Michael Pittman Jr. That's how I came out of it, the rookie wide receiver at USC. Came on real strong in that playoff game. Number one wide receiver there. You mentioned he just came away from two really tough matchups to start this year off. And he showed that he could be that alpha X receiver there and be the number one guy. And not only on top of that, uh, Matt, coming off of like a big game with the 122 yards, like he went in that week banged up. Like he was on injury yeah. coming that week as well. So late I, too. I think he, I think he got on it Friday. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you're, and you mentioned trade for Michael Pittman Jr. One of the tools we offer at DynastyCenters.com, part of the Dynasty GM, is we have a trade finder. So you can enter any player's name, and we're going to show you real trades made throughout Sleeper and on MyFantasyLeague.com that were made in real time. So these are real league trades that we'll show you. You just go on the Dynasty GM, you put a player's name in, you type it in, you can see anything you want, multiple packages, anything you want, Superflex, 1QB. These are trades. Here's a trade that was made yesterday for Michael Pittman Jr., in a one QB PPR league. 
Somebody gave up Logan Thomas for Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, the same day, somebody traded Michael Pittman Jr. in a 22 first for Cooper Cup and James White. Um, there's a trade here. Christian Kirk and J.K. Dobbins for Damian Harris, Michael Pittman Jr. in a 22 second. Uh, so I see a lot of those 22 seconds and players like that mixed in with Michael Pittman Jr. So you could probably do a package there where you can get Michael Pittman Jr. for a second, and I would love that. I, I'm with you. I'm buying him everywhere I can. And it's weird because sometimes I always feel like, yeah, like I want to buy this guy, but I always just assume that everybody else knows what they're doing. <laughs> they're doing, uh, you know, it's not the case. And I could never buy Michael Pittman Jr. Um, and one of my biggest, obviously one of my biggest, my, one of my biggest pains in playing dynasty, the game I love is I do a podcast that tens of thousands of people listen to. And all these people that are in my leagues, listen to my podcast. So I sit here and talk out players like Michael Pittman Jr. And tell you how much I love him. But I go to make offers for him. Like, Oh, I know how much you love this guy. You said you'd give a first for him, Rich. I want your first. So, like, I'm always pinned against it. But for the rest yeah. of you out there, go out there and get my – I agree with you, Matt, 100%. Uh, if you're tripling down, I'm add my quarter pounder on top of that because I'm all in on Michael Pittman Jr. I think he's a – he's a he's he, he I can see him being like that Robert Woods X kind of player. You know what I mean? Like kind of like mm -hmm. wide receiver 10 one year, wide receiver 13, wide receiver 14, wide receiver 8 if the touchdowns get there. So – I like Michael Pittman Jr. a ton. Yeah, I think we talked about him pre-draft, and I was shocked by his ADP. That might be kind of playing into some of these deals. I think he was going in that, like that wide receiver the, 44 or something. Like That, that was absurd. the biggest issue for me is that I think he was wide receiver 46 in Dynasty Startup ADP over the course of the summer. And when you get that far into your draft and there's still like a legitimate threat of a true number one wide receiver still on the board and you're ignoring that because he only had 600 yards his rookie year, freaking blows my mind. And not even a threat. I mean, this guy is bona fide number one, at least at this point. But like even then, I mean, I've been hopeful for Paris Campbell, but that ship is is sailing away, you know, if it hasn't already. Pascal is nice, but he's, he's just a guy, right? Pittman is... He's a guy, hundred percent. And I mean, it's him and Jack, it's him and Jack Doyle running this offense right now. So it's clearly Michael Pittman. I mean, honestly, Naheem Hines is the number two option. Naheem Hines and John the Taylor, the number two option in the passing game there. I mean, Zach sure. Pascal has looked good. Let's be fair. He's looked good. But again, Zach, Zach Pascal falls in a category that you want your, your favorite NFL team. He's a player that you want your favorite NFL team to have, but you just don't want on your dynasty team. Like he's a player. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like um, uh, Hunter Renfro the Raiders like you want him on your NFL team but you just don't want him on your dynasty team kind of falls in that category yeah. so Michael I think him in junior sky's the limit I think just thinking about it right now I think you nailed it on the head when you said that Pittman he's always going to get the targets the receptions the yards and but it's it's if the touchdowns can begin to come with that because right now you're seeing a lot of short stuff easy stuff for Pascal over the middle in the red zone you know Jonathan Taylor eventually he's going to start converting some of these runs into touchdowns so a lot of these touchdowns might not necessarily be there, but if Pittman can start to get those touchdowns, you know, pull them away from the slot, or maybe they throw some fades, he breaks a run. He could become like a legitimate top 18, top 16 guy. Yeah, that's touchdown, kind of, the touchdowns are there, Matt. He could be a top 12 guy. Yes. I mean, touchdowns are touchdowns rule all. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. I mean, touchdowns could be the different. If you, if you hit double digit touchdowns, you're a wide receiver one. It's that simple. I, I projected him for 130 targets on the year, and I got laughed off the map. And a week one, I, I'll admit I was a little nervous, but
But after week two, I mean, it was like seven and a half a game, I think is the average or something like that. Yeah. I want to see that. After the week two usage, I'm like, if, if Wentz can stay healthy, this guy's easy going to hit 130. Yeah, easy. I th- I'm with you all day on 130. Yeah, I'll take that. That'll be a 17-game schedule. But yeah, yeah added game especially. But correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, Pascal runs out of the slot at the highest rate in the NFL. Wentz tends to favor, like, slot, tight end usage, especially in the end zone, right? I mean, that's my only concern, I think. But I think a lot of it's play call. Yeah, I think when you get down there, the 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 slot receiver has an easier time of creating something because the field is so shortened on the outside, where the slot receiver has more room to work underneath and towards the back of the end zone. I just think it's easier for a quarterback to see that than it is to look outside. And Paris Campbell's coming back, and he can move into the slot as well and kind of take over that position. That's where right. he really thrived at. I agree. That's probably where he should play, but it seems like they wanted to play him outside with Pascal in the slot, but maybe, you know, maybe they, they switch it up, but um, either way, thanks Rich uh, for being with us. I know you mentioned the the trade finder, um, the prospect film room. I will say for those of the, for those of you that don't know, I write for the nerds in addition to um, the fantasy scouts here. I wrote about KJ Osborne yesterday, so go check that out over there. But the prospect film room is is definitely one of the greatest things um, just out there. So if you haven't seen that, go check that out. Um, anything else you want to plug, Rich, before we head out of here? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is just, you know, Di- we have the Dinosaurs podcast comes out every Wednesday. You know, that's been going on for almost eight years. And then, uh, yeah, Dinosaurs.com, we just try to build all the tools pot that you need to play dynasty fans football i mean that's what we do one thing we strive for is we want to grow the game of dynasty that's our number one objective so with every new membership we get it's it's another contribution to growing the game of dynasty we take all that money we put it right back into development um and we let we let our tool speak for itself that's why we offer them for free we give it a free trial at dynasty.com free three-day trial check out the dynasty gm check out everything we have to offer Chad mentioned with the Dyson film room, once draft breakdown went away, I was like, I will not tolerate that. Like I need that in my life. Once I had it, I had to have more of it. It's kind of like the first time I lost my virginity. It's like, this is not going to end. So for me, we built the, the Dyson film room. We have the rookie scouting scores. We have everything you need to do just to, to have the edge over your opponents and that in fantasy foot, dynasty fans football. So check us out dynasty.com and you can follow me on Twitter at dynasty rich. And I almost forgot, I do have a promo code. Uh, if you use Chad Workman, I get a little bit of credit for that. And you get, uh, what is it, Rich? I don't even know exactly what the deal is. You know, off the top of your head. I think you get. You get like 25% off. 25% is it? Okay. So. Yeah, you get, you get a big discount. You put some money in the Chad's pocket as well. So it's a, good pro- yeah. it's a big promo code. Because I think our yearly membership is $69.99. And then it's like $6.99 or $6.99 a month. But whatever you use, if you use that promo code Chad Workman, then you get 25% off of all that. And if you do it the monthly, you get 25% off monthly. I think it makes it like five bucks a month and then like 50 bucks a year. So uh, best deal in dynasties, if you want to ask me. Yeah. So dynasty nerds and fantasy scouts, greatest dynasty content. Um, We do offer things that you can't find anywhere else. NFL database. So if you're not a member of our Patreon, Again, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. You can sample some of our content at ffballallday.com. And we'll see you next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm.